0: Well, hello, friends! Welcome back to Come Follow Me with fair, faithful answers to New Testament questions. My name is Jennifer Roach. I am so glad you have joined us. Um, Two notes: My neighbors would like to wish you a happy Second of July. You will hear fireworks. I've tried to record this episode several times without them. It's not gunshots; it's fireworks. I live in a safe neighborhood. Um. I also had oral surgery a couple of days ago, and you will hear that in my speaking. I've got a little lis- lisping still going on, so I'm fine, just recovering. Um, Today, we're going to talk about apostles why we have them, why evangelicals are super suspicious of that, maybe an idea or two on helpful ways to talk about that with them. I'm really glad you are here. We are um, taking up topics. As they come along in the Come, Follow Me readings, we are finally <laughs> to the Book of Acts. We spent six solid months in the It was delightful, um, but it is fun to be moving on to something else. And so we are going to tackle the topic of apostles today. Before we get there, uh, I will remind you, I always do, about the fair conference in August, August 2 through 4 in Provo. Buy your tickets to come in person, stream online. You just need to go register um, fairlatterdaysaints.org. You can sign up for free streaming on that. I am speaking on Friday. You can come and hang out with me. Um, Watch online, though I'd love to. Um, Instead of telling you about another speaker today, I will keep doing that because there's some good ones. I want to tell you about a new podcast that FAIR has going on called By Faith and By Study. It is hosted by this up-and-coming young scholar Zachary Wright. I met Zach, um, he was still a missionary, um, really, really bright kid, and what I appreciate about him so much is he gets the disciple-scholar model and what that is really all about. The idea is that your head and your heart are not in competition, and they don't have to be in competition. You can feel the feelings of faith, but you also can do the intellectual study of topics around faith without those two um, clashing or threatening each other really in any way. Um, Zach just gets that so well. His podcast is a lot about how do you study? How do you know what to look for? How do you know if a piece of evidence is good? One of his most recent episodes, my favorite one so far, is about just that. How do you evaluate evidence? Um, lots of us we're used to evaluating evidence in our own professions or um, in some hobby or something that we have, and it can kind of get hard to know how do I evaluate evidence um, in the in the faith realm or in the spiritual realm. In our church, we talk a lot about like feelings of faith, and those are fantastic. That's a great, great, great place to start. Um, there are some people who don't have a very strong emotional life and feelings of faith don't come to them very easy those folks are not out of luck right? they're they can flip to the other side as it were and increase their own faith not through feelings but through study um so i don't know highly highly recommend zach's channel i think he is great go like, give him a listen um Delaina, maybe you could link in the section below, because I don't know how to do that. So, hook us up. Um, okay, today we're going to talk about apostles. What actually is an apostle? What makes somebody an apostle? How do they get to become an apostle, at least in the Old or in the New Testament? Why do we evangelicals have such a different way of understanding this topic? The Come Follow Me readings. Um Up until now in the Gospels, we've referred to this same group of men as Jesus's disciples most of the time. And a switch happens here in the book of Acts. Jesus um, has been crucified and resurrected. Um, He ascends back into heaven, the early part of the book of Acts. And these men who used to be called the disciples are now called the apostles. Um, So the question really that all of this comes down to is what is an apostle right so the word itself it means um, messenger or like one who is sent like sent out to give a message so what is a what is a true messenger in in our view our latter-day saint view a true messenger is one people know what to do to follow God, to stay true to the instructions that they have already been given. A false messenger is someone that leads people astray, burdens them, exploits them. Um, The question is, why wasn't this apostleship passed down? And Latter-day Saints, um, have a lot of answers for this that sometimes don't always reflect what actually has happened in history. Mm-hmm. So I'm going to try and explain some of this from a historical point of view. So often, Latter-day Saints will wonder something like, you oh, know, gosh, maybe the original apostles like just forgot to pass it down. Or, or maybe they didn't know they were supposed to pass their apostleship down. Um, and the, the assumption there is like that they died without even trying to pass anything down. let me let me explain to you how I understand what happened. It might not be the kind way that LDS people talk about it and these are my thoughts, not fairs or the, the churches. Um, in the years after the the gospels are written, Peter actually does. Try to pass down his authority. At this point, we're not—they're not talking about it in terms of passing down apostleship, but in passing down authority. So Peter passes down his authority to a man named Linus. Um, Peter is considered the first pope. The language switches here, kind of from apostle to pope. Um, Peter's the first one. Linus is the second one. Linus passes it down to Anacletus who passes it down to Clement the first. They are passing down authority to act in God's name. You can call that apostleship, you can call that being the Pope, you can call that priesthood. We're talking about the same thing here. And, And my thinking is they did try to pass it down, but there is a difference between passing it down and having priesthood honored and respected i know men in the church and you probably do too um who are priesthood holders in name only some priesthood has been passed down to them they do not appear to be taking that seriously or sacredly in any way um it's passed down to them but they've not handled it with care I think that that is what happens here. Peter and the others, they're trying to pass this priesthood down and it is not handled with care. You know what happens the story? Um, kind of the succession of um, Roman popes, it doesn't take that long before we're getting to some terribly, terribly horrendous stories. Um, pope John XII, he's ordained as Pope at age 18. Um, that's a dumb idea. Um things pretty much play out how you would expect it if a hormonal eighteen year old boy is put in charge of a worldwide church, and that's that's what happens. And there's many, many, many popes where things just go terribly. There are many situations where things go terribly with their bishops, right? It's not that they weren't trying. It's not they didn't think this was a thing that needed to happen. It just didn't happen. In the way it needed to it it happened how it sometimes happens to people that you know men you know who can call themselves priesthood bearers but are not right so the evangelical view evangelicals certainly can talk about how they see the original apostles as being the only ones who will ever be apostles and they have verses to explain why they think that but they are more likely um, to sum it up by saying that apostles are simply no longer needed because we have the Bible and the spirit to listen to. If you have listened to, especially some of the earlier episodes in this series, it's not surprising for you to, to hear that. Evangelicals are very focused on the importance of the Bible, and they are very confident in their their ability to interpret it correctly as individuals, not as a group, not by a leader, but as an individual person. It's a very anti-Catholic stance, to be honest. Um, this generation of evangelicals probably wouldn't say that, but back up the and they would be proud to call that an anti-Catholic stance. Um, Something like, I can interpret on my own. I don't need some authority to tell me what to think. There is a level of theological understanding. Um, They believe there's biblical evidence to show that no new apostles are needed. But more often, it really is this cultural level of understanding that says each person is charged kind of with being their own apostle, there, there are, there is a sense in which each one, each individual evangelical person must decide if something is true. I remember, can you hear that noise? It's 4th of July weekend and we are going crazy here. Um, I remember being a, a teenager and a young adult in the evangelical church and They would train us and teach us when someone is reading scripture in the service, when your your pastor or your teacher is teaching something, you had better have out your Bible and following word by word, making sure they're not skipping words or tricking you or, or doing some fancy sleight of hand. You yourself are the authority and you are making sure that what you are being taught is correct. Teaching isn't, um, I'm gonna go to this person called by God who knows some things that I don't know, who has messages from God for me. There is not a sense that they are listening to true messengers. They are listening to people who have ideas and they themselves get to evaluate them as true or as not true. Um, they are very, very worried that what is gonna be handed down to them has been corrupted which I find so fascinating on this side of my conversion. Um, in our church, we freely admit that things got handed down in a corrupted way and can point to lots of examples of that. That's why a restoration was needed. Um, and they are very, very afraid of that reality and are trying to prevent it on the individual level, not the group level. Um. They really can only trust themselves and not necessarily what is taught to them by any messengers. This story, this reality is really well illustrated um, in a story about a guy named Rob Bell. So Bell, um, he was an evangelical pastor in Grand Rapids, Michigan. He starts a church there in um, right around the year 2000 his idea was that other evangelical churches had become focused on the wrong things and that church should really be like stripped down to its most basic elements, which in his mind were worship and teaching. Um, And a lot of evangelicals talk this way. They they want to go back to what was practiced in the New Testament. And this is kind of their way of, of trying to restore those things. So Rob Bell is a is a guy who's doing that and became extremely successful at it. Um, five years in, they've got six thousand members on a Sunday morning. Um, this is this is the year two thousand, and so like the ability to download a sermon off the internet hadn't really existed before. Like podcasts weren't a thing. YouTube wasn't really, if it even existed yet, it wasn't a thing. Like the ability to put out content was not there in the same way that it is today. Today, anybody can put out content anywhere. But back then, very, very, very few churches were putting out digital content. And so Rob Bell was preaching these sermons. They were putting them online. At the height, they were getting like 50,000 downloads of his sermons a week. He is a very... Very talented teacher, he, an incredible preacher. Um, Ravel, actually adjunct at the divinity school I attended. I took uh, my homiletics class from him, which was wild. Um, homiletics is the study of how to preach a sermon, basically. um, and he he taught my homiletics class. It was, it was that's a story for another time. um. So Bell, he, he's this wildly popular evangelical. He writes books. He makes a video series. He has this huge following. He goes on speaking tours. He, at that, at that moment, he is like one of the hottest things in the evangelical world. He's 30 years old, okay? He is struggling in all the ways that you might imagine a 30-year-old would be struggling. If you started a church and two years later, you're just absolutely at the height of the evangelical thing. So he's created this giant empire. He employs hundreds of people. Thousands of people are relying on him for spiritual guidance. He's wildly successful at it, and people love him. He is the evangelical success story in a nutshell. But 2011, so it's like 11 years into his career, he writes a book that it pushes against the traditional beliefs of evangelicals, um, but actually not even really all that much. The the belief he's pushing against is the idea that most evangelicals carry, which is, if you don't make a profession of faith in Christ in this life in a very deliberate way, you know, pray the prayer to receive Jesus, if you don't do that, even if you never have the opportunity, you will be and tortured for eternity that's the that's the standard evangelical belief bell pushes against that tiny bit in our church in our latter-day saint church we have a full-blown theology about how this isn't true right his book just gives some minor little pushback to it and people turn on him in a second he's the most popular he is the hottest thing in the evangelical world. That book is released March of 2011. By November, he was forced out of his church. He, the leader, the founder of this huge, massive phenomena of a church, the people he's leading don't agree with his new book, which you and I would actually say gets a ton of stuff right. Um, they don't. They don't agree with the tiny little movement that he makes and he is no longer considered a worthy teacher this is the epitome of why evangelicals will not accept the idea of an apostle they want that freedom if their teacher or their pastor or their whoever teaches something they disagree with they want to be able to cancel him in a second's notice and they do and there are many, 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 many stories. The Rob Bell story is just kind of a big one that illustrates that, but this happens all the time. Evangelicals generally love their leaders. So sometimes they border on, on worship of their leaders until that leader says something they don't like or something they don't with. They themselves, the individual evangelical, is the one who decides what is true, not the leader, not the teacher. The individual gets to decide what new ideas are worthy of being considered and what ones are not. If you remember, probably 10 episodes back, we were talking about this fierce independent streak that evangelicals have. And this is exactly where it comes up when we're talking about why they don't accept apostles, right? They'll accept the original 12. They'll say there, there could be no new ones. We would have all kinds of quibbles on like, well, you accept the Apostle Paul, you accept these, like, be that as it may, it really isn't a biblical issue for them. It's a cultural issue. Um, this is this is their, their independence. They want to be the ones who get the final word on if something is true or not. So how do you talk with your evangelical friends or your family members about this in any helpful kind of way? Their worry is that by following an apostle, we, we Latter-day Saints are giving up our autonomy, our independence, our freedom. And I mean, unfortunately, there are some portrayals in the media of Latter-day Saints that kind of feed into this, right? That Latter-day Saints are only allowed to think a certain way or read certain things. You're not allowed to question. You have this group speak, it's a cult, right? All, the, all these ideas of how it gets portrayed in the media Even in this year, in in 2023, um, what never really gets portrayed and what evangelicals absolutely do not get about the culture of our church is that we have this way of talking about gaining a testimony of certain things. In the realm of church culture, um, evangelicals don't really have the idea of developing a testimony in the same way that we do. They would say their testimony, they, they talk about testimonies, but what they mean by that is the story of how they came to believe in Christ. And it usually has three parts. for I believed in Christ, how I came to believe in him, what has changed since then. That's the testimony they are encouraged to develop. There really isn't very much talk, if any, about I have a testimony of this, or I have a testimony of, of that. That's not really a thing for them, um, at least not in the same way that it is for us. They are Evangelicals are never going to use the phrase, I know the church is true. It, like, and I mean that by like referring to their own churches. I know my church is true. It's not how they think. It's not in their culture. That would require them to give up their independent spirit that says, I am the final authority. I will monitor what my pastor and my church is teaching. And if I agree with it, it's right. And if I don't, it's wrong. So the phrase, like, I know the church is true. That's nonsensical to them. So so where, so where do you even go on conversation with this? I think a conversation about how you have developed a testimony of certain things probably would really resonate with them um ideas as they have been introduced to you and at first you were like i'm not so sure about that and you pray and you study and you talk and you think and you listen and you wait and and people in our church do this all the time and develop a testimony of certain things we today's sunday today was fast and testimony meeting Dozens of people get up and say, you know, I have a testimony about this thing about the gospel. Um, I imagine that your evangelical friends and family would absolutely resonate with that part. Getting to talk to them about why we really actually believe our apostles are true messengers. That's a hard conversation um, because of where they're coming from. I think the best that you can do is talk about how trusting what our leaders have said to us increases your testimony in god the heavenly father has sent us people to help us you develop trust in these people to help us we call them apostles um and that they are showing us a certain way that they are true messengers that's that's probably the best i got for you we also this is a shorter episode today it makes up the other times when i have kept you long after class should have been over so here we go you get some of that time back today come back next week next week i'm excited we're talking about the holy ghost that one should be really fun and i'll see you later